Chapter Eight of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter Eight. Impatience. But it is possible to be too bold. All virtues, when pushed too far, degenerate into vices. Excessive boldness is recklessness, and recklessness wrecks a church. Some ministers are so afraid of being cowards, they make themselves a nuisance by marching always on the war-path. They count a Sunday lost, on which they do not preach a new crusade. Denunciation is their forte, and to scalp a hoary-headed sin is the aim of every sermon. But the human heart cannot live on anathemas. In the economy of preaching, as in that of nature, thunderbolts have their place. But in the pulpit, as in nature, there must be abundant sun and seasons filled with bloom and holy calm. The twenty-sixth chapter of Matthew's Gospel must be followed by the fourteenth chapter of John. A man may be courageous when not trampling abominations under his feet. One may mistake an undue development of the Red Indian in him for a manifestation of saving grace. Spunk is good, but the servant of the Lord must be something more than fighting cock or bulldog. Evils cannot be battered into dust by the ceaseless lashings of vociferous tongues. They are disintegrated by the atmosphere created by the unfolding of great ideas. Ministers must be patient. When William Pitt declared that the quality most essential for a successful prime minister is patience, he gave utterance to words which contain a hint for every man whose business it is to work with men. No man, either in church or state, can carry beneficent enterprises to their consummation, who lacks a patient spirit. Probably no other sin works such havoc in the Christian church as the impatience of her ministers. It is characteristic of average human nature to move but slowly toward those goals upon which Christ bids men set their eyes. It is likewise human to cling to customs old and tried, rather than to enter upon paths which are new. It is a minister's work to lead, not simply one man, but a company of men, from one position to another, and then another, along that upward and difficult road, and unless his spirit is held in firm restraint he will not be able to brook delays or endure the oppositions and retrogressions which are sure to come. A leader of men must be patient with them. Even the malcontents and the cranks must not be stumped nor squelched. Some ministers cannot endure the presence of even one man whose heart is not with them, and proceed forthwith to harry him out of the parish. Unless this man is gotten rid of, there can be no peace in the ministerial bosom. But in rooting out the offender, what damage may be wrought? The tares always grow close to the wheat, and one cannot be uprooted without damaging the other. If a preacher is only patient, death may come to his assistance, and remove the tare without touching the wheat. A beautiful, indispensable friend is death. He saves preachers from despair when they see certain parishioners flourish like a green bay tree. If men's sins are to be patiently endured, much more worthy of gentle consideration are their stupidities and frailties. It is the province of the preacher to see the new Jerusalem hovering in the air, but he ought not to break the skulls of the saints in his haste to get the fair city squarely located on the earth. Every man who sees visions and dreams dreams cannot but yearn to have his parish far different from what it is. 
and to change whatever seems to hinder the free development of church life along the lines of largest usefulness is certainly a laudable ambition. But in making changes a minister should ponder Josh Billings' counsel to young men. If you want to get along quick, go slow. Because a thing is good, it does not follow the parish must have it before sunset. That the preacher wants it is not sufficient reason why the parish should bow sweetly and instantly to his will. Things which are accepted willingly are the only things which a minister can establish in his parish to the edification of his people. Whatever is forced upon them, even though excellent in itself, causes an irritation which offsets whatever service it might have been expected to render. The momentary gratification which comes to a man who succeeds in having his way is poor compensation when it is secured at the sacrifice of the sympathy and good will of the people. A minister ought to learn how to stand and wait. If a man is convinced in his own mind that a certain step is advantageous for his people, and his people will not let him take it, let him not lie down and turn his face to the wall, watering his couch with his tears. Neither let him stride stormfully across his people's wishes, doing the thing of which they disapprove, but let him be resolute and patient. Men's souls are narrow, let them grow. My brothers, we must wait. A congregation is composed of pupils in various stages of development, and the wise preacher remembers this in the preparation of his sermons. The congregation is a flock of sheep. Many sheep can walk but slowly, some of the lambs must be carried, while an occasional old ram must be dealt with with discretion. It is the business of the shepherd to be head of his sheep, but he must not be so far in advance as to be out of sight. If he gets too far ahead, a sense of superiority may take possession of him, and this may pass into a feeling of contempt. New-found truth, says Carlyle, like the new-got gold burns the pockets until it is spent. The clerical miner, who has been digging gold all week, coins it and throws it down before his people on Sunday, with an air which says, If you do not accept this, you are benighted. Ministers should imitate the Holy Spirit and guide men into the truth. Too many of them try to take their hearers into truth on the jump. If a man has advanced ideas, he must give his people time to catch up with them. Many a good man, in his eagerness to display his emancipation from the past, has by his headlong impetuosity closed the hearts of his best people, and rendered impossible the achievement of that which was dearest to his heart. Brethren, study the life of Jesus for the high art of reticence and reserve. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So he said, and says. The mind cannot be forced. New truth cannot be hammered into the heart even by a man fresh from the seminary. Old interpretations are sloughed off, and new conceptions find entrance into the mind only as the affections are enriched and the life is enlarged. This work is done by the Holy Spirit, and like all the works of God it is carried on by processes which require time for their completion. If a man is willing to speak out in love the truth which has become certain to his soul, and has sense enough to abstain from scornful words of bygone teachers and traditional teachings, he can ordinarily preach what his people need without the slightest danger of precipitating an ecclesiastical earthquake. Patience, then, is the queen of the ministerial virtues. Like the farmer, the preacher is engaged in a work 
which demands the exercise of all the powers of long-suffering diligence and protracted wakefulness and waiting. It is noteworthy that our Lord saw in the slow and stately operations of nature a revelation of the process of spiritual growth, and to nature we must go for rare disclosures of the secrets of successful spiritual labor. To his disciples then and now and always the Son of God makes this declaration, In your patience ye shall win your souls. End of chapter 8